Wonderful. So who here knows what a sand dollar is? Can you put up your hand nice and high? Okay, so that's lots of us. It's like some kind of crustacean. But when it dies, it lives on a beach. When it dies, it leaves behind a really neat-looking circular corpse or some kind of petrified remnant. I'm not sure. I am not a scientist, but I pretend to be one on stage. So anyhow, we went, Jackie and I went to the East Coast during the sabbatical this summer, and we went to PEI, and we went to Halifax, and this is my East Coast seawater jar. It's just a smucker's jar, so it's nothing too fancy, but the water in here was collected from the north shore of Prince Edward Island. And I have drank a little bit of it just because, you know, curiosity killed the cat. It didn't kill this cat, but it didn't help me. Um, But I've got some mementos in here. I've got one of these red rocks from PEI, like where the soil is all red and it's got these flaky rocks. And so I grabbed one of those from the beach. And then I also have something a bit more granite looking that I picked up from Peggy's Cove, which I'm not totally sure is from Peggy's Cove because I know that people move rocks around and stuff. So you can go somewhere like, I got this rock from here. And it's like, yeah, that's from a quarry 10 miles from now. Ah, So the world's a wonderful place, but it reminds me of being there. But also in here are the busted shards of the sand dollar because they're very fragile. And we got this from some friends that we spent a night with, and she collects these because they live right across the street from the ocean, and she would collect them on her morning walks. And she was even sharing how fragile they are. She had had a bunch of them on a windowsill, and one time she saw a bee land on one of these sand dollars and break it. It's so fragile. And so here I am, we, we got these, we, she gave us a few, and we brought them home, we were super gentle with them, and then this was sitting on the bookshelf beside the bed, and I thought, I want this in my office. And so I just threw it in my bag, and then threw it in the car, and then got to my office, and it was smashed. And I was just like, no, I knew it was fragile, but I didn't, but I forgot that it's fragile. And now it's broken, and it's broken in a way that cannot be repaired. And so today we're going to be talking about gentleness. We're calling this message Gently. And in part, it's a reminder that so many important things that God has made are fragile. And they require a certain amount of gentleness and care so that we don't carelessly break good things God has given us. So many things that God in his wisdom has made beautiful and precious and treasurable and joyful and good are easily broken. And we're meant to learn gentleness. Sorry, here's a sand dollar. I'm behind on my clickers. Forgive me. I got excited. That's what they kind of look like. That's a big one. Mine's really, really tiny. It's a Canadian sand dollar, not an American sand dollar. (laughs) Subtle, Rob. Subtle. All right. So October is Gentleness Month. Remember, we're taking over the calendar. We're taking over the universe. We're taking over the world by my book, by my album. Um, And... We're done with September. September was faith month, so we're done that. Good job, everybody. You'll never need to have faith again. 
But now we're looking at gentleness as one of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 20 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can we all admit gentleness is one of the less exciting fruits of the Spirit? I was talking with somebody over lunch the other day about that we were going to do this, and we were joking, it's like, so you want me to be a loser? Gentleness, what? So you, so you want me to be a weakling? We get the Holy Spirit just so we can be weakling losers? Kind of. But just to tell the truth, probably more than half of your life and what makes your life worth living, you can break. With how you talk and how you act and what you do or don't do. And one of the things the Spirit of God comes into our life to do is to teach us how to see the world the way God does, but also give us the capacity to not wreck the good things he's given us. And where there is damage, to participate in restoration. So that's what, what's broken can be restored and brought to life again. And we'll talk about that this morning. But of course, I want to start with... Uh, a definition, and then we'll look at Jesus, and then we'll look at some more scripture. So can you forgive me? Somewhere in working with my slides today, I deleted the Greek definition slide, and I'm really kicking myself. I only saw it a few minutes ago, and I'm really upset. So I'm just going to simmer and rage for a second in front of you. Simmer, simmer, rage, rage, rage. Yeah. Ooh, the steam is coming. Just kidding. Um, so I have to do this just by mouth, but the Greek word for gentleness translated here is prautes, or something like that, even though I know that they're changing the, the pronunciation of all the New Testament Greek on us, and it just makes me so grateful for what I know. <laughs> but it's prautes, but I love the definition that you get from BDAG, and it, it is this. The quality of not being overly impressed by one's sense of self-importance. Gentleness, humility, courtesy, considerateness. Prautes. The quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. Otherwise known as the opposite of Western culture. The quality of not actually caring too much about whether or not you're Captain Awesome Sauce. So that, in expression, you can handle things with the gentleness and humility and considerateness that brings out the best in others. So let's look at Jesus. Here's a good uh, story about him and it's cool because it's a quote about him in his life but it's also a quote from i think the prophet isaiah as jesus is f- fulfilling a messianic prophecy i think that was me something's happened to the cord it wasn't you okay i know i'm on it's the other noises that come when i'm on that i don't think are loving to people okay can maybe, is there a handheld backup available? 
Greg? It's on the floor. Okay, if it does it again, I'll switch. All right, so here's the scene. Jesus is at a synagogue, and he's starting to have conflict with the Pharisees. They don't like what he's doing. He's getting too popular, and he's saying things that they don't agree with, and so it's a lose-lose situation for them. And there's a guy there with a withered hand, and in order to kind of prove that Jesus is from the Lord, Jesus heals this guy's hand. Stretch out your hand, and he stretches out, and it's healed, and this is, then we pick it up from there. It says, but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him, that's Jesus, how to destroy him. So you know your heart's in a good place when that guy you've known your whole life, finally his hand goes from like frozen useless claw into fully restored again, and you just got to kill somebody. You know you're doing great. You know you're walking with God. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Interesting. And many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. So the scenario is, is that Jesus absolutely misses an opportunity to go viral online and make a name for himself in the political realm. He heals somebody, people are upset, and so he walks away. And then some people follow him, and he takes care of them, and he heals them, and he kind of forgets about himself for a little while and takes care of them. And then he also says, and, and don't tell anybody about this because we don't, we don't need any more trouble. And then thinking about this time, Matthew sees in this reaction to the conflict... That he's fulfilling this messianic promise from Isaiah from whatever, 500, 600 years before this happened. And he says, this is an expression of the spirit of God being upon the Messiah. He goes around and he's not quarreling. He's not yelling at people. Nobody's going to hear him picking fights in the street. And then they have these two beautiful pictures about a bruised reed that he will not break and a smoldering wick he won't quench. And so these are obviously word pictures. A reed being like a fragile plant that's bent over, it's been broken, and it's at risk of dying. And Jesus doesn't just walk up to something that's at risk of dying and snap it off. He knows how to like tenderly prop it up and maybe tie a little stick around it, give it a splint, and give it another chance to live again. Or even a smoldering wick. You know, sometimes... You blow out a candle and there's that little, little, little ember, that little, little, little ember left that's just smoking just a little, little, little. And, and sometimes that's exactly how you feel like you are. And Jesus knows how to put his hand around that little, little thing and knows how to go and blow it right back into being a flame again, but not just being like... Until he brings justice to victory and his name, and in his name the gentles will hope. And Jesus did have this problem of doing like, um, 
conflict and rage management amongst his people when he was in the earth. You might remember there was another time when he was like feeding people or he's getting popular again and all these dudes were around him and they're like, look, I think this is the Messiah. Let's go kill us some Romans. And Jesus just disappeared because that wasn't the kind of king he wanted to be or is. And you can just tell, you can just imagine what kind of confusion he would be causing amongst the people to be so powerful and so gentle and no longer fitting anybody's categories. True? So powerful, so gentle. We don't know what to do with you anymore. All right, let's talk about a church situation. Okay, so we're going to go to to, um, Galatia. And this is one of the earlier churches that Paul's writing this letter to. And this is the letter where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And there's this big problem there. Um, Paul has planted this church, and then other teachers from other places have come in. And, you know, people debate what's going on here. Do you know how many people run out of jobs if, if you stop arguing? We would be all, if, if we stopped fighting, half of us would be unemployed tomorrow. Maybe that's a quarter. A third? I'm not good at math. Anyhow, all these extra teachers come to the church and they start teaching at least about the importance of circumcision. And, and of course it's, it is important because it's something from the Old Testament and Abraham got circumcised as a sign of his faith with God and this is going to be the covenant. This is how you prove that you're God's people. And so, Paul had planted this church on becoming God's people by faith in Jesus Christ alone as proven by the activity of the Holy Spirit amongst that church. And these other teachers came in and started turning their heart towards doing something to their physical bodies to earn them the right to be called the people of God, therefore putting their trust in a surgery instead of the Spirit. And Paul is writing this fairly forceful letter about the... uh, what are you doing? You're going to get yourself killed kind of response. And one of the things he says, this is the last chapter, he writes to them, he says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And I capitalized the S in the, of spiritual and, and S of spirit there. It might not be in your translations, but it doesn't make sense to me at all that Paul should go from preaching about the fruit of the Spirit, that we need to live by the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, and then in the next sentence be talking about being little as spiritual and in the spirit of gentleness. No, he's saying like, if you think you have the Holy Spirit, show it with the fruit of the Spirit's gentleness and how you deal with this. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have, his, each will have to bear his own load. And I know this is somewhat confusing, and hopefully I can help with that. 
And Jesus, give me grace. But this is what I think is going on. There's this church. It was planted by the apostle. These other guys come on. They said, you got to get circumcised. And people were going along with it. Like post-op dudes at the Sunday service shuffling to their chairs. They went along with it. If you know what I'm talking about. And they were proud of it. Right? Then they get this letter saying, you shouldn't be proud of that painful thing you just publicly did. You should feel like you've just denied the Lord. All the unvaccinated, I mean uncircumcised guys going towards the other group and going, yeah, in your face, idiot loser. Look what you did, dumb, dumb head. I didn't do it. Me, 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 me. You. That, that's the Lord's way of letting me know I'm enjoying something too much. <laughs> but just like from what you know about your church life, you know there is going to be slamming. You know there's going to be in your faces. You know, oh, well, we're Canadian, so it wouldn't happen here. It would happen at lunch after church, Right? It would all be behind the back. It would all be like, how come nobody talks to me anymore? Well, because everybody else was talking about you instead of talking to you. But there would be so much carnage over this correction. True? And there would be this temptation for the people who were spiritual to think, now's the time to really kick those circumcised dudes in the teeth. Because now I'm right, and even Paul said, I'm right. So Paul says this, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, like having been tricked by those false teachers, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. In an attitude of not being overly impressed by your sense of your own self-importance. But with gentleness, humility, courtesy, and considerateness. Try to see this person restored. That's what I think is going on. I could be wrong, but just, you know, I've been around the block a few times. So let's talk about the spirit of gentleness. Part one. To restore and to be restored. Brothers, if any is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. The fruit of the spirit of gentleness in our lives, in our church, should posture us in every situation to want to see things restored. This is one of the big differences between biblical justice 
and social or modern justice. Social justice has more about wanting to see people punished. Biblical justice has more to do with wanting to see things restored. How can things be brought to the place where they're as good as they can get? Not the other thing. The fruit of the spirit of gentleness in Calvary Chapel, Calvary Church, sorry, will posture us to want to see one another brought to the state of being as faith-filled, joyful, free, and fruitful as you can get in Christ in this life. Even at the cost of my own awareness of my self-importance. That is a gentle spirit. That is a gentle posture. Which is hard to do. Because when idiots are being idiots, you want to tell them they're being idiots and feel the pleasure of not being an idiot while idiots are being idiots. True? Half of social media right there. The, the, yeah, I, I do too. I do too. Sometimes it's so funny. It is so funny. Can I just get real for a second? Sorry if this is like out of bounds for you, but it's hard not to laugh when a public figure who's been calling people Nazis for years turns out to lead the country in a standing ovation towards a real Nazi. Hold on, hold on, hold on, please. This isn't a trap. I don't want it to be a trap. There is a part of me that's just like, that is epic level providence. That no one... Could, could have pulled that off. But a sovereign God. But then I have to watch my own heart because I could enjoy that too much and forget that God has me on a shorter leash as his son than he does any public figure as somebody who doesn't know him. It actually puts this fear of God on me. And it makes me actually feel sorry for someone Because obviously they are not who they could be if they knew Jesus with real faith. But it is kind of funny. But you've got to watch where your heart goes. Okay? And then I also need to be able to laugh about myself as well. Which I'm, I'm really working on. I think being able to laugh at yourself is super, super healthy. So this posture of gentleness, wanting to see uh, a marriage restored, wanting to see a family restored, wanting to see a church restored, wanting to see relationships restored, wanting to see a city restored, wanting to see a nation restored. That's the spirit of gentleness, of the, of the fruit of gentleness in action. And in one part, if we're just factual, that's all there is. Like when God looks at us, he could, he could just print out the faults and failures until there's no more paper and ink left. I think the Bible says somewhere, it, God, if you come to find fault, who can stand? And the answer is no one. No one. If God, if God wants to not be gentle with us, he could find something. And not something petty. 
He could find something huge in any one of us. If he wanted a reason to give up on us, he could find it. It wouldn't take him two minutes. His attitude towards every single one of us is, what can I do with them if I set my heart to restore them with gentleness? If I don't break them any further or don't let them be broken any further, but set my power to healing and restoration, what can I make? And that's the spirit of gentleness in action. The flip side of that is that we're called to have an attitude of being willing to be restored. True? So if there's this command to the church, you who are full of the Spirit, restore a person in the spirit of gentleness. The flip side is, if you're part of the circumcision group, you need to allow yourself to be restored here. You need to take an attitude that will let the gentleness of the Spirit change you to become who you could be. And this really reminds me of... This really reminds me of Psalms 42 and 43, where the psalmist is having a bad day. And he's written this song to encourage his heart. And he keeps saying this, Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my salvation and my God. That's verse 5. Then talking about how bad it is with his adversaries and just how depressed and, and horrible he feels. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And the thing that's really been striking me as I think about this is that the psalmist is even in gentleness treating him, his own self like someone who needs to be restored by Jesus. One of the weird things that can happen to us is that we can, as broken people who know our own hearts, adopt an inner monologue that would put Satan out of business if, if he could hear our thoughts. You idiot, you failure, you jerk, you. If anybody finds out what's really going on inside of you, it's going to be the end. Why are you so stupid? Why are you so dumb? Why does nobody, there's a reason nobody loves you. And you can get this mindset, this monologue, this um, shame pattern, this interior landscape that is actually resistant to the work of the Holy Spirit bringing restoration into the life of a sinner. Because you've already kind of decided in your head that you're not worth it or you won't participate with it or that God's out on you. And I just, I've been thinking about, I mean, people are funny. Isn't it weird that you can hear your own thoughts and you can talk to yourself inside your head? It's, we're weird. It's really weird that you can be like, what have I been thinking about? And it's like you weren't thinking it, but you were thinking it. And there's a part of you that's thinking about what you're thinking about. And like you weren't thinking about it, like you're discovering what you were thinking about it. But the, the intentional part was wondering what you were thinking about while you were thinking about it. Isn't life fun? But there is this attitude of the, the psalmist in the midst of his uh, horrible experience of life where he's actually trying to evangelize himself. Soul, you are on the brink. You are in despair. 
you are giving up. Don't be so downcast, oh my soul. Don't be in such turmoil. Hope in God again. You will yet praise him, your Savior and your God. And it touches in me this thing about each one of us that if the spirit of gentleness is in our midst, he wants to teach us to have this willingness to receive the gentle restoration of God. And that we ought not to allow our hearts to be the biggest defense against God changing us to become the people he knows we can be in the Holy Spirit. And there's reason this happens. I think sometimes when we've been disgraced or we feel like we've been, you don't know what to do with it. And so it's like I'm either going to kill that guy or I'm going to kill myself. Or I'm going to hate that person or I'm going to hate myself. You, you, you feel just tarnished. And when you when you don't have enough testosterone to go and really give that guy a nap on the asphalt, then you turn it in on yourself. But that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you will be talking to you about participating with the restoration of God and Jesus Christ in your life. I'm not calling it quits and not giving up and not settling and selling yourself out. No, 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 no. Even the Galatians who had gone for circumcision. And Paul said, like, that literally is like the end of your Christianity unless you repent. Even they get the call. Why don't you just come back to Jesus and trust him again? And don't sell yourself out. Does that make sense? I really struggled with this. Man, when I was a teenager, something bad would happen at school, and I would come home, and I would just bang my head against the wall. And because I, I don't like pain, I would do it really lightly. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah? That's like doubly sad, you know? Not even a man enough to leave a dent. Um, but I just didn't know what to do with, like, the, the frustration and the fears and the trappedness. And it seemed like that could be some kind of release, but it wasn't a release. It didn't help. And ultimately, it was, it's like just this hopelessness of, uh, of change. But the spirit of gentleness says, hopelessness is not on the menu for you, brother and sister. Hopelessness is what happened when Jesus died on the cross. Eternal hopefulness is what happened when he came out of the grave. Our hopelessness died. Our hopefulness lives forever. Never give up. He's, as long as he's alive, anything's possible. In you. And us. And that's kind of how I want to live. All right, let's keep moving. There we go. And that part of like, hey, let's have an attitude of restoration for you and me, that sounds really good. Unfortunately, it's tremendously tricky. And so Paul has to keep saying, he says, so, excuse me, keep a watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ, which is to care for each other. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself and not in his neighbor. For each will have 
uh, to bear his own load. And I think what's going on here is that you and I, we've been talking about this, but you and I both know other people's faults and failures are always opportunities for our pride. Other people's immaturity and faults and failures are always an opportunity for us to have a sense of superiority or even just frustration with people. Why aren't you having as as easy go in this situation as I imagine I would have had if I were in your shoes? Anybody been there? And so Paul just warns them, when we're dealing with restoration, when you see other people, when you wake up in the morning, keep a watch on your heart because everything you see that isn't perfect <laughs> is an opportunity for you to be worse. So, so just do this with Jesus. Bring restoration, not, not judging how other people have hard lives, but watching your own heart and your own sinful tender tendencies here. So let's try to uh, wrap this up and be of a, some good help to people. Um, how gentleness and working on gentleness can be a really good thing. Uh, number one, it's very hard to bring about like real good change in a marriage or a home without some real gentleness. There's such a temptation usually to try to accomplish a lot with harshness. Do you know what I mean? Harsh words, harsh responses. You can feel like you're getting a lot done when you're angry. And it, there's a reason. Anger is the, uh, is the get things done now emotion. Do you know what I mean? Anger often starts with a fear of some kind, which might connect with a, that sense of self-importance there. I'm really important. I feel threatened. I need to defend myself. Anger will heighten my sense of strength and diminish my ability to feel pain so that I can right now accomplish the protection I need. That is often how it works. It's the get things done now <laughs> emotion. Um, and it's often connected with something else going on inside of you or me. But it usually teaches the wrong lesson to the people that we're working with. So a little story of where it went okay in my life. I think everybody who, who has kids, whether they're your own or somebody else's, you will have that moment where your brain turns off and you have to make them stop doing whatever they're doing. Like the universe is just designed that kids either intentionally or unintentionally will press the button. If there's a button there, it will be pressed eventually. And our beloved little boy from Bulgaria, God bless him, Timmy's the best thing. He has a sixth sense of how people work. He knows exactly when you're not watching anymore. And he figures out your buttons so fast. And then there's this part of him that's like, you don't want me to do this? This is what you don't want me to do? This thing right here that you're telling me not to do? You don't want me to do it? Oh, and he's so fascinated by any emotional reaction. Even the bad ones are so fascinating to him that he'll do it just to watch you. Anyhow, one time where I learned a lesson about the, the importance that I keep working on gentleness in my home was when, and I think I have permission to share this story, um, Jackie one time backed the van into my car years ago at our old house. 
Okay, so just imagine how you'd be feeling there. Maybe something, maybe nothing. And uh, she came in and told me, and the kids were in the car, and I just started laughing. Oh, man. That's, it is funny. Like, because then, like, there isn't even another driver, you know? It's, uh, and two-for-one specials are always a good deal and all that stuff. So that tickled my funny bone. But the thing that really got me about it is that one of the kids said afterwards that they were so relieved that I didn't get angry. Because whenever something, like, and I, I have gotten angry before. And some of my worst memories are times that I was angry. I, I really dislike feeling angry. I don't like how it makes it hard to think when I feel angry. I don't like it. And so I'm working on I work on it every day by the grace of God. But I just noticed, like, all of a sudden... It built trust in a child to see something bad not get responded to badly, but with gentleness. Gentleness is the trust-building fruit of the Spirit. Joy is great. Peace, feel good. Love, who doesn't want to be loved? But when something goes wrong and you can respond with gentleness, people notice. And then they go, can I talk to you about something? And if talking dries up, you you can go looking for harshness as the reason. People don't want to get yelled at. Uh, people, People don't like making people upset. And so a lot of trust and a lot of joy just depends on being able to respond gently to things. And I'm saying this up here, I like I know, I know life is real and all of us have our moments. But you one of the reasons why people pay counselors to go and talk to them is you're expecting a gentle response. Right? You're actually like... That's why sometimes when I've had stuff, it's like, I would like to talk to somebody who doesn't live in this province. Because I would like there to be no response to just being honest about something. I would like there to be a gentle consequence to my honesty. And someone to want there to be restoration to my brokenness. You guys are being wonderful. Time is time is moving. Um, so, well, I should I should keep going. Um, one of the things that's really changed my marriage with Jackie, and I think she's, she's super cool, is we've tried to start developing ways of talking to each other that is gentle when it's time to talk about hard things. So we both have our triggers. Tr- triggers is one of the best woke words that have come up because it is a thing, like beep, boom. <laughs> it's just a little button and a really big explosion. Beep, boom. Like, it's a great metaphor. One of my biggest triggers is um, feeling like I'm being told I have to deal with something all by myself. I'm fairly independent, wanting to be emotionally. I like to do things on my own, sort things out with the Lord. 
Um, but I know I've got limits to what I can do. And so when I actually need help and I go and talk to somebody looking for help, if the answer is no, that's quite uh, unsettling for me. I don't like it. And Jackie has her own stuff, and if you want to ask her about it, you can. But coming to the awareness that there are areas of brokenness in our lives, harshness would be to say, well, why don't you just get over it? We've talked about this. We know. you got a button. i got a button. Get rid of the button. Easier said than done, friend. So we just try to talk to each other in gentle ways so that we can teamwork our marriage without wasting our energy having a useless conflict. So it could be things such as simple as like, hey babe, I just want to let you know um, I love you, I'm for you, and in no way do I want there to be any harm done to our relationship, but there is something I want to talk to you about, and when you have time and energy, can we talk about it? And you're already kind of just posturing with gentle speech for their conversation to be fruitful instead of explosive. And by the way, everything I've ever learned about relationships, I've learned from Jackie Balfour. So if, if you could just imagine her here like Princess Leia, like all blue with a projector kind of thing. <laughs> She's here in spirit. Um. Learning to be gentle with the kids. One of the ways I try to foster a gentle atmosphere with the kids, and this sounds so mercenary, so if you're watching this, kids, I'm not trying to be manipulative. I'm just trying to share. But I want the kids to be swimming in an ocean of my affection and um, proudness of them, and not made up, like real stuff. So when it is time to talk to them about something, it's a flavor in an atmosphere of gentleness. And I'm trying to find ways, we're trying to find ways to have hard conversations in ways that don't uh, make the kids feel stupid, make the kids feel disrespected, make the kids feel disrespected, all those things that we wish didn't happen to us as kids, trying to not repeat it. And so, and I I do fail on this, um, uh, one of the kids' small group snack got just got me this week, and I and so I had to repent and own that they had asked me at the right time and I forgot and it was all my fault. But learning word talkage like if there's a problem, instead of just saying why don't you ever do this or do this thing or I told you three times, it's like okay, what do you think is reasonable about cleaning up your room? It's your room. You know, you're 28. <laughs> what do you think is reasonable? That's a very respectful way to have a conversation gently. Well, I think once a month's a bit, a little bit under for timing. What about if there is a smell, you clean it up right away? What, what would you think about that? And I'm just sharing some stuff, but like you've got your own life and you've got your own situations, but gentleness protects what could be. Gentleness brings out the possibility of what what could be in a relationship and in a life where the opposite robs. And I've been the bad guy lots. 
This isn't to say you don't talk about things. There is an ungentleness about avoiding problems that is not good. Not dealing with a hurt. Anybody here a stuffer? Where you just like, wasn't a big deal, wasn't a big deal, wasn't a big deal, wasn't a big deal. And then when the explosion comes, you're dealing with five years of problems. Anybody do that? Because you've been, you've been, things that are big deals, you've been stuffing for a long time. There's something so ungentle to your own soul to be holding on to stuff like that. It hurts you to be carrying around stuff. It's like, it's like when you forget that garbage bag of dirty diapers all summer in the garage. If you've just taken it out on Wednesday, not a problem. But now when you open it up, and there are animals living in there that you've never seen before. It's writhing. It's moving. The garbage can carry itself to the end of the driveway. There's so much stuff going on in there. It isn't a gentle way to treat your heart to live like that. To carry around that stuff. And then it tends to not come out in a gentle way when it finally does. So I'm going to wrap it up here. I think we should worship. In the name of Jesus, do not be discouraged. And in the name of Jesus, do not be afraid. In the name of Jesus, believe that Jesus so gently wants to restore you so that every year of your life is better than the last until you see him face to face. In the name of Jesus, do not give up. Well, it just happened, and it is what it is. Nothing is what it is when Jesus is alive. Everything is what could it be with a living Jesus. And that's the spirit of prautes. That's the spirit of gentleness. Okay, does the band come in? Do you need this mic? We're going to have prayer ministry open here at the front. And like always, if you need to talk about something you don't want to be overheard about, or if you find it hard to hear because of volume stuff, there is a prayer room on the side. We can care for you that way. But if you want me to pray for you that a freedom of having confidence and gentleness would come into your life and your heart, I'm going to invite you to stand. If you're like a parent or a spouse and Maybe you're getting by, but you know, like, there's a lot more conflict than there needs to be. You can stand. If you're bound up in your heart and it's part of your life where you mistreat yourself in your own soul by how you talk to yourself and you don't treat yourself like a disciple of Jesus, and maybe you even talk about yourself and treat yourself like you would never do to somebody else, you can sit too. You can sit for all this stuff. I'm praying for you no matter what your body posture is. But I just want to say, we live in a harsh time. I want to say we live in a defensive time. And I I do believe that God wants to use his ability for unlimited unlimited gentleness to come through the Spirit. To start opening up hearts and opening up situations. 
Father, I did mention a political leader, and Lord, I just, I know you want us to have an attitude to want to honor. And Father, I know you want us at least to just want to be going under the radar and, and spreading the kingdom and praying for peace. And Lord, I do just want to confess, I, I feel sorry for someone whose life is not coming together the way I think they thought it would. And if you would have mercy for your name's sake. The world has seen a lot of stuff recently, Father, but the world hasn't seen that in a long time. And I believe Jesus is raised from the dead. Lord, I give you every marriage in here. And Lord, you know some marriages are on fire for you and some are intimate and some are kind of not where they could be and some are quite hostile. I pray for grace in the spirit of gentleness, Lord. Lord, I don't want things to be broken. I want things to be healed and restored. And so, Lord, I pray that humility, that starts putting down the lists of ways that I've been wronged and starts getting a vision for things to be right in the name of Jesus and what Jesus could do, I pray that would come into our hearts. Lord, I give you our children. I, I just I confess afresh, Lord, all those times fishing with my dad and I just expected him to get angry every time and I was regularly not disappointed. And there was just a little character thing that robbed us of so much. And I pray, Lord, for our generations that you would work so that things would not be lost with little character things where gentleness could preserve and restore all the great gifts you've given us. And Lord, I just pray each one of us where our hearts would be opening up to see where we could change to make things better. Father, where we have triggers, Where I have triggers, Lord, I give you my triggers. I don't want to be controlled by a trigger. I'm not that important, and other people are that important, that we would get relieved from our triggers, Lord Jesus. So Holy Spirit, lead us in the path of freedom here. And bless your church. In Jesus' name. And Churchill, I know I teased about the vax, unvax things. I know there's strong emotions about that. And it is a big deal. But I just wanna I just wanna call you to freedom in it. If it gets in the way of your mad love for people, is it worth it? And may Christ be glorified.